Hey y'all, welcome back to Misfits and Mystics podcast, where we have conversations intersecting faith, mental health, artistry, and social justice. It's me, Abra, and I'm joined with the wonderful Alicia. Hey girl. Hey girl. How are you? I'm good. I feel like I haven't talked to you in a long time. I know it's it's been a long week. I was about to say I think it's literally only been a week, but we talk so often now. A week feels like a long time. So, yeah. Well, I f- I feel like we have conversations like throughout the week, but this past yeah. week, with the show and everything, I've just been like in a whole other world. Mm-hmm. So, I'm glad to return to yes. a little bit of normalcy. Did you get some rest today? I did. I slept most of the day. Um, nice. And when I wasn't sleeping, I was snacking or <laughs> <laughs> um, catching up on shows like on Hulu and stuff. So, but yeah, I a much needed rest and um, I'm glad to be rejuvenated and kind of, I'm kind of like, I have post-show um, not depression, but just kind of like, oh, what do we do now? <laughs> yeah. No. I'm glad you said that because I've experienced that before and I was just like, wow, this is a terrible feeling. I wonder if other people feel this way. But yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially, I mean, we, we have been working on, it's been a full season, but we have been mm-hmm. working on the show since the beginning, like in, in September. So from September to March and then like this past week has been hell (laughs) but heaven at the same time like as you you know um how it goes like with tech week like it's hell week on your body and on your mind sometimes it's a lot going on and um but it pays off every single time and this show was super magical uh everything that was supposed to happen happened the way you know it was supposed to be and i think my favorite part aside from getting to share the space with the other dancers was getting to engage with the audience Mm -hmm. um the show was really immersive and unconventional um in and of itself but i really like that we include a talk back at the end of every performance to hear what the audience is experiencing and there was just so many cool um perspectives and so much encouragement and so much love in the room like every single night and uh yeah, so I was just, I was super blessed, like, I was super emotional. Um, <laughs> I still, like, tear up a little bit when I start talking about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm super grateful. I'm proud of what we accomplished. I'm proud of Kaylin and this beautiful piece of work that she created. I think she is really on to something when it comes to presenting dance and making it accessible 
to so many different kinds of people, um, especially within our community here in Nashville. And so I'm just really blessed to be a part of that and to have a small piece in that. Um, So yeah, and I actually got to meet uh, someone really special at one of the shows um, that was a super fangirl of. So um, <laughs> for those of you who don't know who Dr. Robin Henderson Espinosa is, you should know who they are. Um, they're a theologian, um, activist, writer, storyteller, and um, I've been following their work for... A, a little while. Um, I first heard of them when I was listening to um, the Queerology podcast, which if you don't know what that is, you should get on that. Um, it's super great. Uh, Matthias Roberts is doing awesome work with that. But um, yeah, I listened to him interview uh, Robin and I was like, ooh, they dope. <laughs> and um, in the middle of the show on Friday night, like I said, it's super immersive and it was an open space. So like us, the dancers would have to walk amongst the audience, you know, mm-hmm. and I see this person sitting <laughs> near the aisle where I'm like exiting. And I'm thinking that looks like <laughs> that looks like Robin. And I know that they don't know me, but I know who they are. <laughs> and I go backstage and I'm like freaking out. I'm like, wait, a, you guys, I think someone super important is here tonight. And it just amped me up for the rest of the time. And then after the show, I ran into uh, my good, a good, a good uh, friend and teacher, Aaron Law, who uh, was actually joined by Robin and they, they're, um, good friends and so she introduced me to Robin and I was just kind of starstruck so (laughs) that was great um that was like a highlight of the of the weekend for sure and I was glad that they were able to um experience uh movement in a way that was captivating and innovating and um but also related to the work that they do I thought it was super relevant and it was, yeah. it was great. So yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, anything happen in your week? That was like <laughs> eventful. Um, <laughs> eventful. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Um, the most eventful thing that I can talk about, I have this cup um, you know, like the plastic, I guess they will be, mm, I don't think it's considered a tumbler, but you know, like the plastic cups that are like really big now that come like, they usually all come like one color or something and it comes with like a hard straw with it. Yeah. Okay. So I'm like obsessed with those. Right. So I have this one that I carry around all the time. Part of the lid is broken, but it still works. So I still carry it around all the time. Anyway. It's really funny <laughs> that I carry this around because I got it from this church that I visited. They got money so they can give away free cups and stuff. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, 
I carry this cup around, but it's it's really funny because I also like I drink anything out of it. So this weekend I went out with some friends and their friends, um, and I took this cup into a hookah bar. Um, where you're allowed to bring your own alcohol in, which I've never experienced that before. So that was cool. And so I brought this cup in and I was drinking my alcohol out of it. And I didn't really think about it until I was talking about it today. Like, I wonder if this is like a bad thing to drink alcohol out of a church cup. (laughs) But anyway, uh, because it literally has the name of the church on it. So (laughs) there's that, but it's a great cup. So anyway, um, the cup now has, I'm going to call it like, a boil on the side as well as a dent because one of the girls got really excited when a song came on. She hopped up, her leg hit the table, knocked over the like hookah machine, whatever you call it, which fell into another hookah machine thing. And there was like hot burning coal flying everywhere. I literally felt like I was in a movie because I was on the side where everything was falling like toward me. And I, I just literally saw like fire just just flying in the air toward me. <laughs> luckily, oh my God. luckily it did not hit me at all. But um, my cup did get burned, and so there is now, like I said, a boil as well as a dent in the side of it. So now I have a story to go with this cup. That was probably hmm. the most eventful thing because all I did for the rest of the week was sleep. So, yeah. <laughs> Oh, because it was your spring break. Yeah. And I didn't go anywhere. So I literally was just like, yep, I'm just going to stay in this bed. That's amazing. Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with drinking alcohol out of a church cup. Although I have a church cup, but it's like a coffee, like tea mug. Mm -hmm. So I, yeah, I don't usually put alcohol in my mugs. Right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but the cup that you're describing, I mean, I would put alcohol in that. It's perfect for alcohol. So I've just, I've never had the opportunity to make the decision if I'm going to put alcohol in a church cup, but I wouldn't like be opposed to it. I think it's an interesting choice because I feel like most churches give away cups that are like mugs because mm. you know there's this whole like coffee and the word right. like thing um i don't know but if anybody has a problem with it ugh, well listen jesus turned water to wine so right. he was all about the party <laughs> okay you're probably gonna see me with this when i come down there so there's that and i just thought about it it could be a good you know conversation starter if I'm See, drinking yeah. alcohol out of this cup and they're like, oh, you go to that church or you go to church at all? I'm like, yeah, that could be a great way to tell someone about Jesus. There we go. I'm saying like I've had so many great conversations in bars yes. and parties, honestly, like about about faith and spirituality. And I don't even go into it with this like agenda. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm going to win souls today. Um, because I just, I've never really been super adamant about that mentality of like, we have to win souls and it becomes this like competition yeah. of like saving people. I think the work of the cross has already like done that. And mm-hmm. 
we just need to like live our best life and love people and let God do the rest. Um, But like in the sense of like, yeah, making connections with others and sharing parts of your life. And part of my life is my relationship with Jesus. So yeah, it might come up. And I feel like it's just a little more authentic as opposed to like, going up to people being like you should come to church with me and then they're weirded out by mm-hmm. all the ridiculous <laughs> shit that goes on in churches yeah. like you know so i say continue to carry that cup yes <laughs> and see and see where it takes you i'm so with it yeah i'm going to carry my cup there you go with wine let in it. it overflow <laughs> <laughs> With whatever uh, liquid you want. Um, right. Yeah. I, hope I, you know what? If you're going to bring that cup down, I will put alcohol in my mug. Okay. Yeah. Let's and do we it. will, we'll, we'll have a grand old time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this week we are talking about signs and wonders. I don't know why uh, we're talking about this because originally I had it that we were going to do this like episode about what it was like to grow up like in the black church, which we will have an episode about that later this month. But I don't know. I guess it came to me. (laughs) Or the spirit told me, I don't know. I just was like, I want to talk about signs and wonders. And I started, you know, writing out ideas. And then I realized this episode is going to be long as fuck because there's so many aspects to that. So this is going to be part one. (laughs) And we'll do part two at a later time. So we're going to let this like marinate and then continue it um at a later date but yeah i wanted to just talk about the things that make us mystics um in a sense that woo-woo side the mystical experiences that we've had and i know you've had tons of them Uh, we'll, I'll have you refresh your background in a second, but, um, but I too have had lots of mystical experiences and I wanted to, and I wanted to highlight, um, the aspect of dreams and visions, because I feel like that's where you and I meet Mm -hmm. in common ground. Um, when it comes to that, but also just wanted to talk generally with signs and wonders because it's a thing. And I feel like in some faith circles, it's still not very normalized. And so if you're listening to this and you're like, what the hell is happening? (laughs) Um, maybe we just, yeah, talk about signs and wonders and how that is informing our faith and the evolution of our faith and just talk about some weird shit because I like to talk about it. (laughs) Let's do it. (laughs) 
<laughs> so, um, yeah, ref- okay, we'll refresh everyone about our background. So tell, like, let's just dive into, like, what your background is, like, in the context of your experiences with mystical things and signs and wonders. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, the very first church that I went to um, was a an outreach and deliverance church, which is basically evangelism and deliverance. Um, so the focus of the church was, you know, just the normal learning about who Jesus is, what he did, um, who God is, and just all these things. But the, um, like, direct focus, it pretty, it pretty much was a, a training type of church. So, um, you know, some churches now, it's just like you just go and you just learn about things, and then you go home. They have a few little extra ministries here and there, like the children's church, or they have, like, little fun events here and there. But this church was, was so focused on training people in um, different, like, gifts of the Spirit and just, like, really teaching you how to walk out your Christianity. Um, so with that, of course, I was so, 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 so young. Um, I do ha- have some memories, but I don't remember everything. Um, but one of the memories that I actually don't have, <laughs> but that my mother told me about, um, and my siblings remember because they were older, or they still are older, but um, <laughs> was seeing people go through deliverance. Um, and so one of the things that they always talk about was this one time that um, a person came into the church. I think they might've been a pastor, minister or something. And they, okay, <laughs> I got to use my words the right way. Cause there's a difference between being possessed by a demon and, and having demons. Okay. So, they were not possessed by a demon, but they, like everybody else in the world, if you believe that, had had a demon, but this demon was like taking over in this moment. And so for whatever reason, they were, I wish I would have like talked to my mom about this while I was at home, because I don't fully remember the story, but for whatever reason, they were on the microphone and their voice changed from their voice to this like really like ugly demonic voice. Um, so my siblings remember things like that. I don't remember. (laughs) Um, apparently we grew up seeing like people like levitating things that, that Christians would be like, that is demonic. (laughs) No, we don't do that. Um, and so I think it's really interesting that this is my background because first of all, it's not many people's background at all, especially for this to be the very first church that I went to. Um, it's not common, but also when I hear stories of people, people's background in church and them being around deliverance, most of the time kids are not around deliverance. Um, most churches, because kids, you know, don't usually know what's going on. Even if you kind of teach it to them, their mind can't, can't fully comprehend or grasp, um, what exactly is happening. Um, but also because of how open kids can be. Um, spiritually, 
when things like that happen, they usually remove kids from the room or from the church. Um, and we'll have someone like take them downstairs or take them, you know, somewhere else so that they're not around that. But that was not our experience. <laughs> um, they believe that, you know, kids definitely could be open and susceptible to um, spirits transferring from one person to a child. But they also would cover us in prayer and like make sure that we weren't um allowing those things to latch onto us. How? I honestly don't know. But they did it. I can say that we grew up just fine. <laughs> we were not, you know, hosting demons and stuff. Um so yeah, we grew up seeing that stuff. And then when I went to the next church that I went to that we were at for years and years and years, um they also had a deliverance ministry, but it wasn't so it was a it was at the time it was like a mega church. And so you didn't you didn't oftentimes like see the deliverance happening at that moment. They would have like specific services for deliverance. Or I remember like this one time as I got older, they had um like a deliverance session. So it was like we had normal church, but then like later on in the afternoon, they had like a session. If you wanted to get deliverance, then you have to go all the way to the other side of the church to the gymnasium. And people were doing deliverance there. People who, you know, are actually like set to do it, who knew what they were doing. It wasn't just like people running rampant, like, yeah, let me deliver you. <laughs> just to make that clear. Um, and so, but even with that, they taught us about like did a, a quick like lesson on what deliverance is and what can happen, what you can experience if you're going through deliverance, what you may see other people experiencing when they're going through deliverance. So it's honestly never been a scary thing for me. Um, I mean, it, it can be like when you hear stories sometimes because it's just weird. It's not, it's not the usual norm that everybody sees and experiences um, in this life. So it can be kind of weird, but because I, I've grown up around it and seeing it and hearing it, even though I don't even fully remember what all I saw, um, the exposure has made me be like, yeah, this is a thing. But I do recognize that it can be scary. And like you said, woo woo. Um, because I was just in a, I just, I kind of want to like snap on her. But anyway, not too long ago, um, I was at my friend's house and we were talking about deliverance. And it was uh, my friend, her best friend, and me. And she like, my friend wanted to do deliverance. And I'm just like, no, because one, I just was not in the mood for it. <laughs> Two, I wasn't. I was tired. I'm like, listen, to be very real, I just want to drink wine and talk, okay? Um, but then her her best friend, her best her best friend is a Christian, but like she hasn't been exposed to all of this stuff. So a lot of things are new to her. Um, and she learns about a lot of things through her best friend, who's, you know, also my friend. Um and so she was trying to like force it. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, please like stop. <laughs> um, so we had to like remind her of her experience, even with her being born and raised in church and knowing what deliverance is and experiencing it. She was at this point of being so excited about um, her deliverance that she was ready to like, you know, do it with other people. But I had to remind her when she was going through deliverance, she was calling me and her best friend and, and telling us how scary these experiences were. So I was just like, girl, 
you cannot just be trying to like pull people into deliverance. Like that's not normal. Like Christians need to be real. That's not normal. Like that's normal to us, but like that's that's that Christian privilege. We think that everybody experiences the same things as us, and like what we do is the norm for everybody. No, we do some really weird things. But even like within Christians, like not all Christians like are experiencing that world either. So to assume to make the assumption that oh, you are a follower of Christ, therefore you want to participate in deliverance because um, that is just not the case. Right. <laughs> because you're right. Like, it is super weird. Um, like, I always say that even without the context of, like, deliverance or any type of mystical experiences, like, the things that we do uh, within Christianity, even in the language the Christianese, you know, that we speak, it's weird and strange and can be very off-putting. And it's even weird for me, even though I've grown up in church all my life and have been exposed to many different forms of Christianity. Um, I, I still walk away every time finding something that is just off, <laughs> you know, and it doesn't mean that it's bad. It's just wow that's just really strange you know and yes like christian privilege is real and um but yeah i've noticed that especially people our age like we get super pumped and fired up when we have this like experience with god or with a faith community and we want everybody to join in on the fun (laughs) And but sometimes we get a little carried away because we start projecting our experiences onto other people who may not be ready or it may not even be for them. Because right. my question would be like, who was she trying to deliver? Like amongst the three of y'all. Right. Like and what gives her the right to determine that you and your other friend like needed deliverance mm-hmm. at that time? Like it's not a game. Like it's not like you know, in the movies where you see people playing with the Ouija board just because that's the thing we do. Not realizing that there are consequences to (laughs) those types of things. So, yeah, that's that's interesting. So would you say like deliverance, like when, how would you define deliverance? (laughs) Um, Please please enlighten us. Your, your good old Baptist friend, all right? <laughs> okay, so going back to what I was saying about there being a difference between hosting demons and being possessed by demons. So basically, if you have the mindset that I have, um, then you believe that there are both positive and negative spirits, right? Um, and people who are even not Christians, they, they talk about this, you know, making sure that you, um, are keeping yourself covered and like protecting your energy. There we go. Protecting your energy when it comes to protecting your energy from, um, spirits of people who are no longer here or even just spirits that were never here but are just a part of the spiritual world um 
then there are the negative ones, which we as Christians see as demons. So um, everyone has demons basically coming from different areas of life. Um, So if you experience some type of trauma, then those are seen usually as like openings or like moments in life where you can be more open um, to things that are not a part of you setting in. So for example, um, hmm. let me think of something that is not like triggering or anything. Um, Car accident. So if you get into a car accident, then naturally people most times are usually afraid to drive again, right? If you were the if you right. were the driver, then you're you're probably afraid to drive again because you experienced this this trauma, this traumatic moment, and your mind is probably latching onto that and replaying it. So there's a part of natural life that that of course you would be afraid. Like nobody wants to be hit by another car. Nobody wants their car to, you know, be totaled and they don't want to be hurt or anything of the sort. So there's that natural part of you that's like, of course you're afraid. You're a little, you know, shaken up. Um, And there's the even physical trauma that can come from that if you are actually hurt in that situation. But then with that, there can come another level of fear um, that is not of you, which is actually seen as a spirit or a demon. Um, because of the fact that the Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And so, of course, you know, we pay attention to the natural because actually it's first natural, then spiritual. So you can't just act like you're not afraid at all. Well, I mean, maybe you're not. But anyway, um, we don't want to, um, you know, just be like, whatever. I can't even think of words right now. I'm tired. Um, <laughs> you don't want to... Um, mismanage the natural part of you but then the spiritual part sometimes can can basically like take a hold of you so even if you get rid of the natural trauma of being afraid and you're like okay i'm ready to drive like i physically feel in my body that i'm ready to drive again even though i experienced this traumatic uh, moment um there can be something in you like an inward feeling that's just like for some reason i'm just so afraid um And there's a certain level that it gets to where it's like you realize that this is not a feeling that you have naturally, but it feels like something is like it it has a hold on you. Something is gripping you, you know? Um, And so usually, not always, usually that's when you can kind of see that there have been spirits or demons that have attached itself to a moment. Um. So with that deliverance, people driving is a very normal thing. After a car accident, people want to get right back behind the wheel. And sometimes people can't, but they still have life to live. They have things to do. I actually have a friend who was in this situation, got in a car accident, and she was afraid for a little while, but she is a very spiritual person and she understands deliverance. And so that was an immediate focus for her to pray and to get rid of that fear that came with feeling like, you know, anytime I drive from now on, I'm going to be hurt. I'm going to be in a situation that I don't want to be in. Um, 
she took some time off to like, you know, allow her natural self to become okay and not be so shaken. Um, but she had to go through, and I mean, it wasn't even like this huge thing. That's the thing, like deliverance is serious, but I think people always see it as an exorcism. And that's usually where the whole like possession thing comes in. I'm not going to lie to y'all. I don't know anything about exorcisms because that's not really a thing that's taught. I don't think in the Christian church at all. I feel like I've only heard that um, connected to Catholicism, which is actually a part of Christianity, but I don't practice Catholicism. So I don't know. But um, for her, it wasn't it wasn't this long drawn out process. It was literally just a matter of her praying and being like, okay, God, I know that you have not given me the spirit of fear. I need to drive. I have a car. I'm not going to let it sit outside. I need to get over this. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm letting go of this fear. And so deliverance is basically just um, extracting things out of you that do not belong to you within your natural self and within your spiritual self that is that lives within your natural self. Um, sometimes there are things in life that try to attach to your spirit um, and will try to change your energy, change who you are, change literally your entire being, your perspective, different areas of your life. Um, and so deliverance is getting rid of those things that just don't belong to you pretty much. Hmm. So in a sense, it is like, uh, spiritual healing, spiritual counseling, because I feel like, like you definitely were saying, you don't want to neglect the natural part of yourself. So maybe someone who experienced tra- a traumatic ex- uh, moment, they might go see a therapist mm-hmm. or a life coach or something to help walk them through that trauma within the natural sense. But like you were saying, there may be a a spiritual component that is keeping that person in bondage to that trauma, which may require this spiritual component where we seek the power of God, the the things that only God can Mm -hmm. do. You know, in that sense, because I do believe that there's a there is power in the in the the natural things that we have with with science and, you know, uh, natural uh, ways of healing. Uh, But I also think that there are things that we can only do so much because we're limited um, and to where we have to rely on the unlimited power that is available uh to us through god and so i guess deliverance is a means to access that Mm -hmm. is is, am i saying am i correct in that in saying that okay um (laughs) yeah well i yeah i'm careful with my words because i i did not grow up in that experience uh, I grew up in a Baptist church where, like you were saying earlier, you know, we learn about God, we learn about Jesus, we learn church protocol, we have our little event, and then we go home. Um, and I would say 
growing in the Baptist church that I grew up in, because I don't want to paint all Baptists the same, because one of the things that I love about the Baptist church is um, religious autonomy um, in the sense that, you know, we, your individual Baptist church, like obviously you're adhering to Baptist doctrine, but there's like this leeway of how you want to interpret that as well. And you're not answering to like a hierarchy in the same way that other denominations might like, like Methodists and um, uh, like Episcopalians or, you know, anything like that. So uh, anyway, but my, the Baptist church that I grew up in, like we, the only time I heard the word Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost was if somebody was getting baptized <laughs> because we baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, and maybe in a few songs that might mention the Spirit. Uh, but this, the Holy Spirit was more about like the manifesting of like uh, us being super joyful and expressive in our worship. Um, so one might say, well, that was a very spirited, uh, service or she caught the spirit, which now I realize is like, oh, so problematic. <laughs> um, <laughs> like how do you catch yeah. the spirit? You just, yeah. no, no. But, um, yeah, you, you're shouting because you're emotional and that's okay. But that doesn't really have much to do with the spirit I don't think so anyway but I but the Holy Spirit was like this thing that we just did not talk about and um actually when we would hear like other people talk about the Holy Spirit or talk about things like you were saying like with deliverance or any type of like charismatic gifts like it was it was very stigmatized in my church and um, kind of taught to be like, not completely wrong, but just, you know, weird, not encouraged and met with a, a sense of uh, maybe skeptical, that's the word, yeah. There were a lot of skeptics in my church. Like, is that really a thing? Mm -hmm. And everything had to, you know, be backed up by like the Bible. So like, if we can't see this in the Bible, then it must not be true. Um, but even with that though, like we do read about people being delivered from spirits in the Bible. Um, we do read about people having mystical experiences in the Bible, but for whatever reason, um, a lot of Baptists think that that's been done away with because we have the Bible <laughs> and, and therefore we don't need signs and wonders to prove that like God is real and the Holy Spirit has this power, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but I had an aunt who went to a church that did have a, they, they had a healing ministry. Um, and 
they also did a lot of evangelism and outreach. And I never saw them operate in like deliverance ministry, but maybe it was the case that you were talking about where they didn't have children in the room when that was happening. So if it did happen, I just didn't know about it because I was a kid. Um, and I didn't go to that church like every week. So yeah. Um, but I was exposed to that world where I think people were more open to like knowing and understanding that there is this spiritual realm and that there are some dark forces and that as uh, Christians, it's a, we have a responsibility to, you know, arm ourselves and do what we can to take care of ourselves spiritually. And um, it wasn't until I got to college that I really started uh, diving in more to that world and being part of communities and churches that, you know, were really into like deliverance, healing, other types of giftings and ministries that were just much more susceptible to like signs and wonders. And um, particularly I was involved with a house church that was really, really um, into that. And I never, we, I never went to like a gathering where like we were engaging in like deliverance, but I did, I was there many times when we prayed like for people uh, to be healed or to be delivered, but they weren't in the room. It was like people that we knew about like across the world or whatever in our lives. Um, and that was my first like encounter with like prophecy, like personally, um, like I would see prophets on TV and stuff. <laughs> and I used to just think that it was like cuckoo bananas, like, and basically kind of felt like it was not real. Um, but being um, a part of this community in an intimate setting and actually like seeing people operate in their gift of prophecy and just encouraging people to um, be open to prophetic moments. Um, it definitely awakened a side of me that I think has always been there. I just didn't have the space to really um, explore that in a safe way until then. So, yeah, but I would hear stories a lot when I was um, attending that church from people who, you know, had done a lot of mission work and um, where they'd go um, serve in communities here in the United States and across the world where they had seen some pretty twisted dark stuff. <laughs> and um, I'm always like super captivated by that because it sounds like fiction, but I just, I believe like truth is stranger than fiction, you know? Um, and so I'm always like, wow, that was, that was your experience, you know? And it is frightening to me because that's not 
my world, like usually. Um, and I, I think I'm a person that believes like what you put out is what you're going to get back. So in my younger years, I wasn't like exposed to that a lot because that's not what me and my parents were like putting out into the universe of like opening ourselves up to bringing those types of situations and people into our lives because that's not like our lived experience. But once I like left home and like put out into the universe, like, oh, I want to expand my knowledge and my experiences, then those types of people and encounters started coming my way. Um, So and I think that's just like a, I don't even want to label it like, oh, that's a God thing or whatever. But that's just, I just think that that's how life works, yeah. you know, sometimes. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's interesting. Um, I mean, you and I have had interesting conversations in the past. Um, you know, when I first met you, um, like hearing if I would have heard you say these things, years ago, I probably would have been super dismissive, um, you know, because of my background. But now, uh, as I've grown and also as I've experienced things, I realize like, first of all, even if you don't believe in the Christian God, I think in 2019, it's you're hard pressed to find anyone who denies that there is some sort of spiritual component to this mm-hmm. life and that there are forces that are outside of us, you know, that have some sort of power or ruling, you know? Yeah, definitely. And that, and I think uh, everyone can kind of be on the same page that there are there's good energy and there's bad energy and we are all striving to get to that good energy (laughs) and we want to release ourselves from the bad Mm -hmm. energy that keeps us in bondage that uh keeps us from living healthy and whole lives um and so yeah once i like I kind of, I started to have, I had to start to detach like the Christian dogma from the concept for me to get the full picture Mm -hmm. in the sense that like, even if I wasn't a person of the Christian faith, like you can't, based on like my lived experiences, like there's just no denying that there's something out there bigger and greater than ourselves. Um, and that love is the answer <laughs> to leading us to um, living the life that makes us whole and thriving, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely experienced, I, I, I would call it demonic oppression, Um as opposed, because you were saying there's a difference between being possessed mm-hmm. versus like demons latching. And so I would call that oppression yeah. um, and not possession um, because I actually, I met a woman who wrote a book about her experience um, with, uh, she actually was 
demonically possessed. Um, this was pre like her before she got saved. And she talks about in her book um, how like some Christians argue like whether or not Christians can be possessed or not. Um, and she concluded, she's like, I'm not really here to settle that argument. Like, I'm just here to tell my story. Um, and her story was that she was possessed and, but she was not saved when that happened. But when she got free from those demons that led to her salvation. Um, so, I mean, I have been a Christian since I was like six or seven years old. Um, and I don't believe that I was possessed, but I definitely think that I was oppressed by some demonic forces. And this is where we like intersect the whole conversation of mental health in the sense that when I was in college and even before that, but particularly during this time as a young adult, when I started, uh, when my symptoms of bipolar disorder started, um, really manifesting and impacting my life in ways where I could not fully function. Um, there were moments where uh, there was one particular night where I drank too much because the like impulsive uh, thoughts, like the impulsive of actions that come with mania were starting to, to come up and I drank a lot one night and I remember like getting really emotional and really upset and I went upstairs um to the bathroom and I just remember like taking a shower and I just remember like feeling like I had I didn't have much control of the words coming out of my mouth the 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 things that I was doing I was screaming I was but I remember my friend was in the apartment with me and she said, she was like, I heard you screaming and you were talking to someone, but obviously there was nobody in the room with you. Um, and I do remember like praying to God, but I also remember hearing like voices and they were like two different voices. And one was telling lies and one was telling the truth. So it was obviously like I was being attacked and because of my mental illness and also because of the uh, alcohol, like abusing alcohol, I do believe that like opened me up to that um, dark, force to latch itself to me and you know fuck with my head mm -hmm. you know <laughs> um which eventually led to me you know having this breakdown and led to this suicide attempt later on that year that that summer and um so yeah I I struggle with it because I don't want people to think that if you have a mental illness, you're automatically like it's it's a demon, like automatically. Um, but I also don't want people to think that they're just like that you don't have anything to worry about spiritually. If you struggle with mental illness, I think I take the position that 
mental illness is a disorder of the mind, um, which is within the natural realm. Um, and one can experience what I experienced without having a chemical imbalance in your brain and it all just be spiritual, Mm -hmm. you know? But I think I take the position that if you are, you know, struggling with some sort of mental illness, especially ones that deal with your moods, um, that the enemy can exploit that and um, take advantage and and use that as a portal to attack your soul as well as your mind. Um, Yeah. So I think after having that experience and then after like getting well, that also opened me up to my faith evolution as well because I went through a grieving process of like my background like growing up in church because one the church doesn't talk enough about mental health so I felt abandoned by Christians because there was like one faction of Christians that just totally dismissed like my diagnosis and you know gave horrible advice about telling me not to take medication and not to go to therapy which honestly if you're that person uh shame on you somebody told you not to go to therapy oh yeah there were there were people in my life and it was like fresh, like I'd just gotten out of hospital and I was like telling them, okay, like this happened and this is what I need going forward. And, you know, people were like, well, I hope you're not like on those drugs now. Like, I hope you're not taking medication Um, and kind of just brushing it off. Like, oh, you just had like a like the enemy is attacking you and the only thing you need to do is pray and get over it and get right with God. Um, so <laughs> I definitely don't encourage anybody to do that because that is very dangerous. That is very dangerous advice to give to anyone who tells you that they are having the symptom, like any type of symptoms of any type of mental illness, especially anyone that, is uh, telling you that they have attempted suicide or thinking about suicide or anything like that. You probably should just keep your mouth shut and go read a book. (laughs) Um, But um, yeah, but then at the same time though, like there were people who didn't really understand the spiritual component. And so they were kind of like, oh, that's just all in your head. And maybe religion is the problem, you know? Um, so me, it was, it was, so I felt very abandoned and dismissed by like the Christian community in some ways. And also within like people who weren't a part of it. Cause they couldn't really understand, you know, my, my encounter and I just but I just knew what I know what I know and I know what I experienced and I know that it was a 
a combination of mental and spiritual oppression and um, nothing but a good combo of <laughs> prayer, um, realignment and therapy and medication, <laughs> you know, all of those things got me well and got me free. And the thing is with the mental health thing, like some people may believe that God can like heal me of bipolar disorder where it just will go away. And I think there was a time when I was in those types of circles that, you know, believed in like, you know, God can heal you from anything and everything. And that all you got to do is have faith. I think for a time when I was like, really like doing really well mentally, I thought, Mm, maybe God has like healed me from bipolar mm-hmm. disorder and it's gone and I don't have it anymore. And I've, I've been delivered, <laughs> you know, um, I couldn't help but hear that. in uh, what's his name? Andrew Caldwell. <laughs> <laughs> I love him. I know. <laughs> wow. Yeah. We could talk about that <laughs> later, but, um, cause I have opinions about that, but Yeah, but then I would get sick again. Like, I would get depressed or mania would happen. I would have an episode and I realized that, oh, like, I still have bipolar disorder. But the difference is, is that I now have the tools to manage it to where it doesn't become destructive in my life. And even if it were to get to a point where destruction is on the horizon, I have the tools to help me overcome and get well again, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, I don't know. Deliverance is like, it's tricky for me because I... I experienced those things, but I didn't really have like a safe community, especially coming back home because I was just like going back to the church that I grew up in and nobody like wants to hear about that kind of stuff. Um, So I didn't really have an outlet where I could talk to other Christians about my experience. So it was just kind of like having to walk through it alone or walk through it with certain individuals that were open to, you know, hear at least like listening (laughs) um, and meeting me with like grace and understanding. But yeah, but now as my faith has evolved uh, even more since then, um, I feel like I realize that even though deliverance is super great, I feel like deliverance has also been used as a weapon, you know, yeah. to, to further our agendas. <laughs> um, and this goes to the, like, I've been delivered thing because, Like in that context, he was saying like, I've been delivered from homosexuality and old Abra would be like, praise God, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but I 
no longer um, subscribe to non-affirming theology. And I don't think that people need to be delivered from certain things. And um, I know that's very controversial to say, but, you know, it is what it is. And I think as many people that have been helped by deliverance ministries, there are a lot of people that have been harmed by deliverance ministries. And um, even to a sense of like, even if we're not talking about being delivered from like a certain sexual orientation, just even like hearing stories of people who've literally been beaten, you know, uh, and at the altar, um, beating, thinking that you can physically assault someone and the demon will come out. Like, no, that's abuse. <laughs> um, and even just like how we approach it, like we don't, Christians are not good at practicing consent. Like I've definitely walked into spaces where people just like come up to me and they just like want to touch me or like be intrusive <laughs> and like talk to me about personal things. And it's like, I didn't consent to you prophesying right. to me. I did not consent right. to you like putting your hands on me. And that's where I question like, you know, when people are doing that, you're not really in it are you really in it to help the person or are you just trying to be performative to prove how holy and, and Christian Mm -hmm. you are because you, I have, you claim to have this gift or whatever, and you want to like use it, you know, I get it, you know, (laughs) you don't, don't use it, you lose it. I get that. But it's like, (laughs) but it's like, um, there's still a level of respect and, um, it's kind of one of those things where I'm much more mindful now and I have retreated back to like avoiding a lot of those spaces because it's like, I know that they mean well, but I also have to protect mm-hmm. my peace and my energy as well. And also, like you said, just because people claim that, you know, I'm a deliverance worker doesn't mean that they should be delivering mm-hmm. you because they may have some mess of their own and I don't want you passing right. that on to me. <laughs> so I'm I'm very, very protective about um, who I share those like encounters with. Um, it's not a it's not a show for me, um, and I think it's because of my personal experience. Like I almost died, right. you know. So I I just take that very seriously, and um, everybody don't have a right to lay hands and be, you know. Even with the like prophecy stuff, I'd be like, uh uh-uh, uh, you need my consent before you just start, you know, speaking life. <laughs> you know, into me. Like, it's just, it's very weird. I used to feel bad, like, um, at the end of, (laughs) you know, church services when they do the, like, they have the ministers go up front and they ask if you need prayer, just come up front and, you know, you can have them pray for you or whatever. Um, At the church that I used to go to, I knew everybody. But 
I didn't trust everybody. And there were some people that I had a personal relationship with. And so I would wait until they were open, until they were done praying with whoever they were praying with for me to go to them. Even if I was next in line and somebody else was open, I would let the next person behind me go. And I'm just like, yeah, you can go ahead. People be like, no, we're trying to move the line along. And I'm like, no, I don't care what y'all trying to do <laughs> because my life is more important than just letting some person who I don't know, like, and it's not that like, it's not a matter of me knowing the person. It's more so like, I don't even know how to say it, but like, I'm, I'm very spiritual. And even if I know you, I just, you know, when you just feel like a connection with someone or like, I guess like Holy Spirit is leading you to a certain person that day. Then it's just like, I don't want nobody else to pray for me because if I feel like I'm attracted to this person for some reason, then clearly I trust the God in me to know that there is a reason why my attention keeps going to this person. So by me going to somebody else, not to say that God can't do whatever he's trying to do in another person, but like if he's leading me to do something, why would I do the opposite of it and expect to get the same thing that I actually need, which is clearly in this person that he's already sending me to, you know? But also at the same time, I don't trust everybody. If we being very real, like, I know you, Mm -hmm. you're cool. I'll speak to you because I speak to everybody. Literally, I speak to everybody. But outside of that, no. My spiritual self is too important to just be letting anybody pray over me, lay hands on me, all of that stuff. No, I'm not going. And I like, I kind of felt, like I said, I felt rude, but at the same time, I also did not care because I don't know what you got going on in your life. You're not about to put that on me. I got enough issues. I don't need your demons too. (laughs) <laughs> like right. that's just that's just what it is like sorry you can keep the no i'm not sorry yeah. let me take it back i'm not sorry you can keep that over there so yeah i mean and like i said i think that's like that is true for any context because i have friends like they're not christian but they operate in other like spiritual mm-hmm. practice where like in like energy transfer is right. so important and like I'm, I they would say the same thing. Like there's like I'm not just gonna let anybody perform a Reiki yeah. healing on me. I'm not just gonna let anybody, you know. Um, and people that are really, really serious, like in their practice, like the person that is uh, providing their work as a service, like they're even more like careful about like you know like this is serious. So if you're inquiring my services, like you have to come with a level of like authenticity mm-hmm. as well. And it's not just like, and be, and be aware that what you're asking me to do for you, like has some consequences, whether they be negative or positive, yeah. you know? Um, so, but for some reason <laughs> it's, I just find like within the Christian context, like people just really struggle with, you know, boundaries. Consent. <laughs> like, period. What's wrong with y'all? <laughs> like the two, like boundaries and consent yeah. go hand in hand. And we just, we really do a shitty job of it. And then when you have, when you are in a church that is more open to the mystical uh, side of things, it's just a whirlwind of like terrible, (laughs) 
Yeah, and I and I get why people who have experienced uh, spiritual trauma like really struggle, you know, with realigning themselves back into that world within Christianity because it is so. Um, it can be really mm-hmm. painful and um, just very difficult. Um, I don't know, but yeah, it's interesting. And I feel like, um, I don't know. I feel like now I'm in a, I am living in a context where like, I'm just not really around that stuff anymore. Like within the Christian context, um, I'm definitely around people like in my like professional settings that subscribe to other uh, forms of spiritual practice and it's been interesting to just like hear their perspective and um, things of that nature like and to see the like similarities but also to see the differences but I will say that um, that it's just interesting because when I talk to like my non-Christian friends or people who are a little more loose in their uh how they would identify spiritually um there's much more of a humility in the sense of like in in the discussion you know like no one is trying to like win you over they're just they're just flowing and operating and whatever they're flowing and operating in and they're just about their business um (laughs) Where it's like, and I think with Christianity, it's because like part of the tenets of our faith is to like share the good news, you know? And so with that and a lot of discipleship, you know, trainings and culture, it can lead people to be really intrusive um, and not really understand that there's a level of respect and boundaries that come with that. And that just because, you know, we believe that, you know, we got Jesus and Jesus is right and the only way, um, I think we abuse that power too much, (laughs) you know, because we think, oh, I have access to the ultimate power, the only Mm -hmm. right power, because that's what, like, Christianity teaches us. Um, And so we think we have the right to just take over every situation with our gifts um, as opposed to like waiting and listening and (laughs) approaching things with care Um, because we're just so excited to see the miracle (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and, and, and to say that, Ooh, I was, you know, in a deliverance service and we delivered this girl from the demon of whatever, whatever. And it's just like, I, it can be exciting. Like the adrenaline, like I could see the adrenaline, you know, kicking in. Like if you're experiencing somebody go through deliverance. Um, But I don't know why that is like such a thing where like we're talking about it. Like we're talking about the football game and our favorite sports team. Like, because 
that is not, I don't wish for anybody to go through any type of like dark times, you know? And I don't wish that we have to like, you know, operate in those gifts like daily, you know? If I had, if I had it my way, everybody will be walking around happy and whole and doing their thing. Like, you know, I, I, my dad often says like, as a preacher, he's like, my goal as a preacher is to preach myself Mm -hmm. out of a job, you know, to where I don't got to preach no more because you got it, you know? And so I feel like that should kind of be the same thing where it's like, if you're operating in any type of charismatic gifting, particularly within deliverance or healing, like, I hope that I wouldn't have to like walk you through this dark time because you're already good. (laughs) And I know that's not how life works. So, you know, it is what it is, but yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. There's like this burning desire to be a part of things within the church, which is like, like you said, I get it. I get the adrenaline and like the goodness that can come from it. But oftentimes when you really look at people's intentions, it's more so wanting like the fame and attention of it, which is so, I don't know. It's, it's really, really weird to me. And I, I'm saying, and I'm, I know you probably understand this, but I'm saying this from a standpoint of being a PK and hearing very little stories because my parents refuse to share stories with me because they know that I will fight people. But um, <laughs> mm-hmm. but hearing stories about people doing things like um, my parents just got their new building for their church and people like recommending, you know, people that they should work with to do this and to fix that and, you know, those type of things. And because my parents decided not to go with the person that they um, suggested, they're now upset and have decided to leave the church. So it, it makes you question, like, what was your intention? Like, were you suggesting this person so that they could actually help us? Or did you have some type of investment in their company and you wanted money from it? Or did you suggest this person because you just wanted to be able to, once things were done, stand up in front of the church or go to your people around you and be like, oh, yeah, I'm the one that put them on this person. Which all makes me want to fight you because what the fuck? (laughs) Like, I I don't know. People's intentions are so weird. And people in general are so weird. Which is why, like... Like I said earlier, I, I I really wish that more Christians would understand how weird they are and, and how weird the things that we do are. And I don't mean that in a way to, to down Christianity or anything, but I'm saying like, it's the same way as realizing the things that you do as an individual, being self-aware to a point of calling yourself out on your shit. Instead of just being self-aware mm-hmm. of like, oh, I know that when this happens, I'm going to feel this way. So I put, I shouldn't put myself in this situation. You know, those type of things. It's like, okay, that's cool. But like taking that next step of self-awareness where you realize like, 
this is the type of shit that like, you know, people won't like about me or the type of shit that's like not cool that I should actually work on. That makes me kind of a crappy person. Like everybody has those things, but it's like a lot of people can't be real with themselves. And that's just a a general, you know, human thing. But I feel like so many Christians are so caught up in like all the other stuff of, you know, like you said, wanting attention for stuff. Well, I think it's because we, yeah, well, I think it's because we have that, when we get saved, quote unquote, <laughs> saved, um, we are given the messages of like, you know, like being mm-hmm. set apart from the world. Like we're li- we live in the world, but we're not of the world. But and that's a choice. If if yeah, but it's like when we, especially for those of us that got saved really young, um when you're given that message over and over and over again, you start to like think that the, the actions that are done within Christian communities, like it becomes Mm. very normalized, even though like in the context of the rest of the world, it's really not. And, um, or it is, it's just that in the real world, like we would call some of those things (laughs) abuse or, lack of right. self-awareness lack of or lack of you know um or being e- yeah being egotistical or yeah. being boastful um but for whatever reason we ignore um jesus's teachings that warn us about what happens when we get in our ego and we get too boastful and we get too uh heaven bound that we're yeah. no earthly good okay <laughs> okay um so <laughs> We yeah, like we 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 ignore that because we get so caught up in the perks and the privilege and because we want to mm-hmm. feel important. And Christianity does a really good job of making people feel seen in the beginning, um, making people feel like they belong in the beginning. And then you get caught up in the world of it. And um if you don't play your cards right oh, you're done. (laughs) Yeah. You know? So in order for people to stay in the fold, they feel like they have to do the most and be extra um, and do the things like you were just describing with that person. Like, let me put you on, you know, this person who can hook y'all up. Oh, you don't want my help. Therefore, I'm just going to leave. What? (laughs) So... Yeah, I think, but those are things that people in the world do, like in other contexts. Like I've seen people like behave that way, like in, like at work, you know, it's just that they're willing to admit that that behavior is problematic, but like, because we're Christians, oh, I... (laughs) That's not what that is. But you know, when when Christians do a lot of gaslighting, um, making it seem like we don't operate in bullshit when we do. (laughs) (laughs) And what and and like it's it's okay because we're human beings at the end of the day. So we're not going to get it right all the time. But we use but we use that excuse too much where we're like, oh, well, you know, uh, the church is run by imperfect people. Yes, that is so true. But like, 
when you realize your imperfections, you're supposed to like acknowledge it and try to work on it, not just be like, oh, well, (laughs) sorry I hurt you, but just pray (laughs) about it. That's really how it be. It's how to write off yeah. everything, like using the fact that oh, we're human, and you know, let I I feel like I can't talk about this because I feel like oftentimes <laughs> I <laughs> oh I've seen I have seen you get attacked no, on I've, social media <laughs> when you talk. To that's why I'm just like, okay, I really be trying to figure out where's the line that like me, like myself, nobody else, where I can call us out but not come off like i'm against us you know but like if you know me personally mm-hmm. which you do you know that i will talk about christians in a second and it really is all out of love like i mean at one point i can say that it was definitely from a, a place of my personal experience from being hurt um but even outside of that like that's just I don't I don't even know like how else to say it besides the fact that like that's part of what God has called me to when it comes to the church is to call us out on our mess. And I'm not just saying it just to be like, oh, I just like being confrontational. That's not it at all. Like I have been told this. God has told me straight like to myself, like that's just what it is. That's just who I am in general. And when it comes to the church, I'm very passionate about how we are, how we function, who we are, how we present ourselves um, because of the fact that like we are supposed to be so influential and we are, but it has not been in the right way at all. And it's very, very, very saddening to me. I remember in high school one time, um, I literally came to school and you know, high school start early as hell. So I, it probably right. was like 7.30 in the morning before I even went to first period. I remember walking to my locker and just feeling so heavy. And I literally just started like bawling my eyes out. And at that time, um, I was, of course, in youth church. Well, what we call youth church. And I was really, really close with my youth pastor. And so I texted him and I was telling him how I was feeling. And he was just like, I think that what you're experiencing right now is the heart of God and and feeling how God feels toward his people. Like, yes, God loves us. But in the same way that your parents can love you, but still be disappointed by the decisions that you're making and how you're presenting yourself, which reflects back on your family, which reflects back on Mm -hmm. God. It hasn't been good. Like for us to sit and try to even feel like we're being attacked in certain settings, especially in America, we are so privileged. There are people in other countries who are Christians who literally have to like sneak away from their homes, go underground just to worship God. So I'm not trying to hear the shit about the fact that like, oh, people are persecuting us. No, they're not in America. Like, you can't be serious for you to even feel that way, to even think that way. You're going off of the fact that <laughs> Jesus was persecuted. You're not in that world. And so for us to have an upper hand in America, one, we need to realize our privilege in the same way that we call white people out on their privilege and the shit that they do with their privilege, not acknowledging it just to start off. And that's one issue. But then outside of not realizing your privilege, like looking at the shit that you do, like I get very, very frustrated 
<laughs> and so I'm always like, okay, how do I say these things and call us out without it seeming like, you know, I'm trying to ban uh, with people who are legit against Christianity. Because if, if I was to, I think it's actually happened before. I made a status like years ago about something like calling Christians out on something. And this guy who it, I, I'm actually friends with, he's not a Christian and he jumped on that status and basically started like bashing us. And I was just like, whoa, Cause it's like at the same time, if you, if you picture it in the same way, like with family, which I would never put my family's personal business out there anyway. But if I was to talk about, you know, things that was going on with my family on Facebook and somebody else outside of my family was to come on that status and start talking about my family, I'm going to be defensive because this, these are people that I love. These are people that I stand for. This is something that I'm a part of. And so I feel like I can talk about my sister. I can talk about my brother. I could talk about my parents for things that they do that I felt like was not right. But for somebody outside of that, then it's like, okay, no, because <laughs> I, I will still fight Absolutely. you. Like, don't play with me. Um, so it's a matter for me of learning how, I don't, I don't know, I guess how and when I think about this often, honestly, I'm like, sometimes I wish that all of my friends on Facebook or, you know, whatever social media platform only Christians or like that I created a platform only for Christians, which I can't really manage because, you know, I don't know. Um, but I, sometimes I wish that I had a page only for Christians so that I could talk to us about the things that we do without having it seem like I'm against us, you know? Yeah, but I feel like even if you did have a space where it was a Christian only space, you would mm -hmm. still be met with the like, but I get what you're saying. Cause it's similar to like how we need, I like, we need right. like all black exactly. spaces or like all queer spaces where like people are able to feel safe without having to explain their existence and um, having to like deal with the emotional labor of people mm -hmm. outside of that community. Um, so I mean, I think that would be interesting. I would definitely want to be a part of a space where you just <laughs> call us out and <laughs> I would gladly join in with you. But the thing about you, Alicia, is I think the reason why I, I could totally see like you being called to that work because you're not usually coming from a place mm -hmm. of resentment and trauma. And if you are, you're willing to like yeah. be honest about that. And I've, I've watched you do the work to really like process through your pain and your trauma and like be active and diligent in that. And I feel like when you're calling people out, it is through a place of love. And I think you do so very lovingly, <laughs> but, but also like yeah. being yourself. I mean, um, like you are going, to, it is going to be a little assertive um, and it might sting a little bit, but you always bring it back down you know, to, to the sense of like, 
I love you. And because I love you so much, like, I just want us to all do better. And I, and I also watch how you check yourself first before you check somebody else. And like everything that you say about the Christian church as a whole, I've seen you do the work to like make sure that you're practicing what you preach like mm-hmm. within your own life. And I think that's what makes you qualified to that work. So I would encourage you to keep doing that because I do notice that there are a lot of angry voices mm-hmm. on the internet within like Christianity or people who have left Christianity for whatever reason and whatever your reason is, is valid. And I affirm you and I lift you up and love you, love you, love you. But there are so many angry voices in the internet where they're operating out of a source of pain and not love. And I think we need more voices within Christianity of people that have gone through the pain that have gone through the trauma, but are in the process of healing and wanting us to reconcile ourselves to one another and back to God and to realize that the experience of God is so much more expansive than we could ever, ever, ever imagine. And that if we could just get up off of our ego and our mess, we could like, oh, the things that we could do and the things that we could see, um, the access that we could have, because I've I have experienced like t- like tastes of it, like in my life, and it is so beautiful, and it is so real. But we're so tied down from the BS and the weird the mm-hmm. weirdness, you know. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I just. I get you, girl. I'm for it. Create your little group. I will join it. Like, I will join in on the call because you know. know. Yeah, yeah, because I'm hesitant to like, especially on social media, because, you know, people can easily misconstrue Mm -hmm. what you're saying. And then you have like non Christians who use what you're saying to like legitimize their views, you know. Right and use use your words as a platform to further their agenda and then i gotta like, fight you know? Now. <laughs> you know we trying to keep me out of jail okay <sighs> yeah <laughs> girl y'all at least you act like she is just like aggressive person but i mean i well maybe because i personally have never made you so angry mm-hmm. that you want to fight me at least not to my knowledge no. <laughs> i would hope that you would tell me if you were super angry to the point that you want to fight me but you are like a huge teddy bear i am i'm super sweet i just talk about fighting all the time because i'd be ready to fight but like that's you know I don't want to fight anybody. Really, what it is, I'm pro- I'm a protector. So yeah. I don't. I mean, I nobody ever really makes me mad to the point that I just want to fight just because. Literally, the only time that I'm like legit ready to fight is when people that I love and care about are in some type of danger or possibly about to be hurt or have been hurt. 
Mm-hmm. But there are also times that, you know, I have a buildup of anger and frustration and then I'm like, okay, I'm ready to fight. But like, I don't really want to hurt anybody. I just want to get out my anger. That's all it is. I totally relate to your you wanting to be protective of others and that like manifesting and like you just want to fight. Mm-hmm. Because I have often been like, y'all lucky I'm saved because, yeah, I'd be ready to lay hands. <laughs> out, of a sense of, out of a sense of wanting like justice for my loved ones, you know? But I have to be careful of that because there's justice and then there's revenge. And like, you don't want to, yeah. you don't want to be vengeful. But at the same time, like people shouldn't be able to get away with things. So <laughs> so I'm totally for it. But yeah, we can segue into Shameless Plug. Um, and I realized that the episode, it turned into this conversation of deliverance. And maybe that was supposed to be that way. So now I think we have to do three parts of signs and wonders (laughs) i I told you like it's such a heavy like meaty topic and so next time we'll get into like the dreams and visions because you know i really like want to hear about your experiences with that um but we'll segue into shameless plug um i have a couple that don't really have anything to do with me personally, but I just wanted to shout out a few people. Um, the first one is, I mentioned this a few episodes back, my friend Tristan Parks. Um, he did a performance of They Do Not Know Harlem in communion with James Baldwin. Um, that was with the Young, Gifted, and Broke um, series in Durham, North Carolina. Well, um, he is doing another event. Um, They Do Not Know Harlem, a fundraiser, which is going to be April 27th at Walltown Studio Theater, and that's in Durham, North Carolina. So if you're in that area, you should check that out. All the proceeds support the full-length production of They Do Not Know Harlem in communion with James Baldwin, which is going to be premiering May 9th through the 12th um, at Duke University. And this event is in partnership with Unforgotten Media. And tickets will be $20 uh, for that fundraising event on the uh, 27th. And there's also a GoFundMe page that you can donate to if you can't attend the actual event. And I will link all of that info in the show description so i definitely encourage y'all to check it out like i said if you're in north carolina during that time you should definitely go um but if not there's a gofundme support black artists um also mtsu which is middle tennessee state university their performing arts company also known as impact um, they need funds in order to have their semi-annual dance performance at Tucker Theater on campus, which will be April 27th and the 28th, which my good friend Whitney um, is choreographing and performing in that show, I believe. Um, and I'll be going to that show to support her. Um, we're going to have Whitney on the podcast uh, soon like next week or the week after that I can't remember um (laughs) but uh they need help like getting that production like 
ago because apparently um renting out tucker theater is really expensive so let's support them as well um i'll have the link to their um crowdsourcing page as well if you want to give to that you know just support artists especially black artists because we need it and you guys benefit from it um so yeah do that and then i also just wanted to again reiterate like my thanks to everybody who supported found movement group and our show and to kaylin thank you for those that listened to the episode um thank you to those who you know came to the show those that couldn't come but supported us in other ways by promoting or donating money or just like wishing me well you know i'm just super super thankful for that um if you want to learn more about found and upcoming performances follow us on instagram at fmg dance or you can check us out at our website foundmovementgroup.com and um, we're definitely trying to procure our own space soon and so we'll definitely need like a lot of support whether that's financial or just cheering us on so if you want to be a part of that um, come join us and see what we're doing. Um, yeah. What about you, Alicia? You got some plugs? Um, I don't have any events coming up, but I do have a page slash company that I would like to plug. So on Instagram, you can follow healing through storage. That is healing through S-T-O-R-G-E. Um, it is a page that is ran by my wonderful, beautiful friend, Candice Pittner. She is a licensed therapist in the um, Houston, Texas area. Um, and I wanted to point her out because one, the page just posts really great things. Um, but she has recently started a group of, well, she's gathered a group of therapists to be able to um, give free therapy sessions. I think it's for groups. I don't think that it's for individuals, but I think it's for group therapy. Um, and so for a while she's been doing it for women, but she's finally got some male counselors to be a part of it. Um, so follow the page to keep up with everything, but also you can find her on Facebook at Candice Nicole and her name is spelled K-H-A-N-D-Y-C-E Nicole. Um, to get more information and find the link to be able to sign up for the free mental health therapy group for men and for women. Um, so if you are in the Houston, Texas area, please do not miss out on this opportunity. Mental health is so, 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 so important and it's free. We love free. Okay. Yes. So all yeah. about that free 99 Support. and she's black. So, you know, you know. Yeah, support black therapists. Right. They're so important. Yeah, so that's you know? all I have. Oh, yeah, I love that. Mm. Awesome. <laughs> and then, you know, follow us on social media as well. We're on Instagram at Misfits and Mystics Pod. We're on Twitter at Misfits Mystics. We also now have a Facebook page because Yay. I got bored and realized that you know, some of our older listeners, they're not really into Instagram and Twitter, but they mm -hmm. still want to keep up with us. So I gave in and decided to create a Facebook page as well. 
Um, so if you're on Facebook, you can like our page and be sure to share as well. Um, you can also reach us directly via email at misfitsandmysticspod at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. I did receive an email last week in relation to what we were talking about last week, and it was really nice feedback. Um, it was from my dad. Oh, <laughs> hi, dad. Hi, Dad. Shout out to my dad, the Reverend Joseph L. Miles. Yes, um, he yes. Had some great um, insight about in response to cancel culture. Um, he just to summarize, I won't read the whole thing, but like just to summarize what he was saying. You know, he was like he paralleled like King David in the Bible, and how like you know if we look at the complexity of his life, I think a lot of people would probably cancel him, (laughs) you know, because, but at the same time, you know, he was saying, but if he was so problematic, why didn't God remove him from his position as king? Yes. Come on, dad. So I thought that was like a really interesting perspective. And he just reiterated like what we were saying about sometimes people participate in cancel culture as a means to cover up their own guilt Mm -hmm. for things that they're doing in their life. Um, But yeah, and he, he had some sweet things, you know, he talked about how he was enjoying the podcast and learning so much and rethinking about things that, he felt like you know as a older man you know i thought i had settled these things but it's good to like re-examine them oh so that's so exciting yeah thanks dad for the support <laughs> <laughs> so what's your selection your our song of the week so i'm actually not going to sing this time Okay. Because I want y'all to listen to the song. Okay. But the selection for this week is a new release called Nice Things. Have you listened to it yet? I haven't. That was my plan as soon as we got off. (laughs) Well, good. Listen to Nice Things by Tank and the Bangas on the Green Balloon album that is not yet, not what, not yet (laughs) fully released. Um, it's yeah, it's just a nice little fun bop. Just listen to it. Nice things, okay? Tank and the bangers. Yes, you gotta prepare for the twentieth. I'm so excited. <laughs> this deep breath, I, though. I just purchased Whitney's ticket, so yes. she is coming with us. Yay! Fun times. Molly's coming with us, so it's going to be a great time. Girls' night out. I'm excited. I'm excited, too. Well, great. Well, thanks, guys, for listening. Um, Hope we didn't freak you out too much um, with this conversation. You know, deliverance and demons and... (laughs) (laughs) But uh, you know what you were getting into. Um... You already know. So thank you, Alicia, for your transparency and being a weirdo just like me. Of course.
course. Anytime. All right. We'll see y'all next time on the other side. Bye.